This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. It's a big night in the Big Apple, and where are the Yankees' big bats? It's hard to find them in this lineup. It's ESPN New York Tonight right now. Off and running on a Friday night special edition of ESPN New York tonight. Filling in for Carlin on this Friday. So much going on. I am Gordon Damer, taking you up until uh, 10 o'clock tonight. Weekend wager then. But, of course, we got the NBA playoffs right around the corner. We got two games left in the Knicks regular season. And, really, you could make the argument how many games are left in their season could be determined by what happens in these next two games. So plenty of Knicks on the agenda tonight after that win last night over the Spurs. Big weekend for them. And uh, by the end of Sunday, we'll we'll know where the Knicks are matching up in the opening round of the playoffs. We already know that they are in the playoffs. It's just a matter of are they the fourth seed, are they the five seed, or the sixth. The Yankees will run down the Yankees tonight. And look, it's May 14th. And I think still, even at this point, if you gave truth serum to Yankee fans, they would say at some point this team will hit. At some point, they just have too many good hitters in the lineup that eventually it's going to click and they will eventually score runs. Now, if you have that being May 14th, eh, I think you might be a little too early on that because the Yankee lineup tonight, have you heard the Yankee lineup tonight? I don't know if I'm allowed to mention it on the air. There are decency standards in broadcasting, and uh, this might violate those. Whew. This is bad. This is real bad. Now, look, they're taking on the Orioles, and they're at Camden Yards, and that usually is something that gets the Yankees moving in the right direction. But, boy, oh, boy, this lineup. Now, obviously, you're not going to have Glaber Torres, who has feasted on the Orioles in the past because of the COVID situation with him. So, hopefully, it looks like he could be back before the 10 days is completely up because he has already been fully vaccinated, but he's not there tonight. And then you got the news earlier today that Aaron Hicks, well, I guess he had the news last night that Hicks had something with his wrist and they were waiting to see what what the test came back. And uh, it turns out that it is a torn wrist sheath. You know, I really have to thank the Yankees because they teach me more about my own body than I think anybody. Since, at least since health class in, in, uh, in school, because I didn't even know I had wrist sheaths until today. But apparently you do. And Aaron Hicks has apparently torn his. Now, what the next course of treatment for him is, is kind of up in the air. Apparently they're going to try medicine first, and I guess surgery would be a last resort, but he's not going to be in the lineup tonight. So that's another thing that um, another guy who, not like he was – Killing the ball, but at least he was starting to show some signs of life. So he's not in there. Then you get the news earlier today. I was listening to the K show and they were talking about how Giancarlo Stanton, they've been at least open to the idea of him playing the outfield. And the mere mention of the sports talk show here in New York, mentioning the fact that Giancarlo Stanton might step foot in the outfield, all of a sudden his, his quad tightened up. So I blame the K-Show directly for that. So he's not in the lineup tonight. And uh, when you take a look at the lineup, whew, I did some math. I did some math. The Yan- I'm not going to tell you the lineup just yet. But the final six hitters in the Yankee lineup combined are hitting 172. Six hitters. So what was 
being pointed out as, you know, the bottom of the lineup, the, you know, the bottom third has been rough when really it was the bottom half. That bottom half is overtaking the whole lineup. Oh, yeah, and then they decided to give Gio Urshela a day today. Good call. Good call. So we'll keep an eye on the Yankees and the Orioles, and we'll see if the Yankees ever score a run because, uh, oof, yikes, this is, again, it's the Orioles, but uh, I don't know, uh, that, that lineup there. Yikes. Uh, and the Mets are back in action tonight, so we'll certainly keep an eye on them as they face off against the Rays. And uh, the Mets might be able to uh, help the Yankees out a little bit because uh, uh, you, you never want to see Tampa, you know, they win the final game against the Yankees. And you don't want to see them start to get hot because the Yankees have enough problems on their own. So we'll see uh, what happens there. And, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. And uh, we will get to plenty of calls tonight. Plus, the NFL schedules are out. And one thing in the 24 hours after that, the schedules were released for all the teams. Listening to all the talking heads and all the the analysis and all these things about the upcoming season, somebody, there are two camps on the Giants this year, and somebody is going to be wrong. Because the Giants in 2021, you listen to Giant fans, and they think that they're like on the verge of something big, right? Like they're coming off the greatest 6-10 and season in the history of the league, and Joe Judge is, is fantastic, and they made all these big moves. But you listen to anybody else, you listen to Vegas, you listen to NFL analysts, they might expect a little improvement, but they're not convinced about anything. So we'll touch on that uh, as we move along tonight. And speaking of the NFL, now that the schedules are out, I have run it through the Damer algorithm. And I can say with certainty, the first edition, the first edition of 2021 of the NFL poop rankings are set to broadcast. Now, everybody does power rankings. On our show, we do the polar opposite of power rankings. Every show wants to find out who's the best team. We find out who's the worst. So we'll have our first edition, obviously, the acronym Poop Rankings. Uh, we'll have that uh, before we uh, move out of the way at 10 o'clock. And uh, we've got headlines today. We've got a lot of stuff to do. And certainly want to hear from you. 1-800-919-ESPN. But you know what? Let's begin with the Knicks, which, in a way, just by the mere fact that we are leading with the Knicks on May 14th. And we can talk about what's going on in the here and now. Not in the future, not in the lottery, not in the offseason, not in the ping pong balls, not about some fever dream about a free agent that's going to come here. No, about the here and now with the Knicks having two games left in the season. And we're still talking about what they're doing right now, that they're still relevant, that they're getting ready for their biggest game, biggest games in eight years. And that, you know, has not usually been the case. You usually could forget about two games with two months left in the season. That's generally not the case. But the Knicks, another big win last night. Back from the road trip, beat the Spurs. So as things stand right now, half a game behind the Hawks, who have one game left. Knicks tied with the Heat right now for five and six. So the Knicks have the Hornets and Celtics left. Uh, Hornets tomorrow, Celtics Sunday. Heat have Bucks Pistons left. And then the Hawks, they have the Rockets. So the Hawks, in some ways, don't really matter to the Knicks. What matters to the Knicks really is the Heat. And what really matters is the Bucks. That's question number one this weekend. Can the Bucks beat the Heat? If the answer to that is no, well, then the Knicks are going to be the sixth seed. And the, the hopes and, uh, and dreams of a deep playoff run are getting cut down pretty short right away. 
Now, the, the second question, that's not the only question, but the first question is, can the Bucs beat the Heat? Because if the Bucs beat the Heat, well, then the Knicks control their destiny, right? They got to go out and beat the Hornets and Celtics. And if they can beat the Hornets and Celtics, um, then they're going to probably be the four seed, right? They have the tiebreaker over the Hawks, don't have the tiebreaker against the Heat. So it's almost like at the end of the weekend, Knicks are either going to be four or they're going to be six. I know there's some scenarios where they can finish five, but to me, those are the two big questions. Number one, Bucks Heat. Number two, Hornet Celtics. And I would say that the Knicks probably have the toughest schedule left. The Heat have the toughest opponent, but they also have the easiest because they play the Pistons the next night. And if the Knicks go one and one, well, then it doesn't really matter about the Bucks because then all the, the, the Heat have to do is go one and one, and they have the Pistons on the schedule. So, Maybe it's lost in the jubilation of making the playoffs, but if you want the best chance to win a playoff series, it's pretty clear what you should be winning, rooting for, pushing for, getting pumped up for. The Knicks need to win these final two games. They need to make the four. Home court again, you know, I've been thinking about it. You know, does four matter? Does five matter? The Knicks, it's pretty clear cut. Their margin for error of the top six teams is probably smaller than everyone else. They need every advantage they can get. Now, could the Knicks win as the five? Yeah, but I think the odds are slightly less. And don't bring six into the conversation. Six doesn't belong in the conversation. Look, I'm good, and I'm on record as saying I'm fine with whatever happens the rest of this season, that at this point, making the playoffs is one of the top six, is gravy being in the playoff series, hopefully winning at least a game or two in whatever playoff series they play. I'm good with it. They've exceeded every expectation that I could possibly have this year. But I know that there are Nick fans that are on cloud nine thinking, well, you know, it doesn't matter if we're the six. It doesn't matter if it's the Bucks. It doesn't matter if the Nets. We can beat anybody. We can hang with anybody. We will give them a tough time. We'll push them to the limit. Slow down. Slow, slow down. They're not beating the Bucks and they're not beating the Nets. They might not beat the Hawks. They might not beat the Heat if they played them. They're certainly not beating the top three. Let's not get carried away. But you know what? I'm confident that if the Knicks can win their next two, they won't be the six. And I think at this point, that's really all you can ask for. Win your next two and see where it goes from there. If you're the six, well, then you deal with it. As I said, this season is gravy, and you'll deal with whatever opponent you get. But the four is still sitting there, and seeding sometimes is not that important. For the Knicks, I think it is this year. Four is better than five. Five and playing the Heat is better than six and playing the Bucks to the Nets. Home court against the Hawks is better than opening on the road. So if the Knicks want their best chance to make the second round, they need the four. They need the four. And they need to win these next two games. Now, if you win the next two, again, and it doesn't break right for you, you don't get the help you need, so be it. But at least you put yourself in the best position you possibly can. And we'll all kind of regret that loss to the Lakers a week from now. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Already, Aaron Judge to the rescue. Aaron Judge, a home run Yankees, already a one nothing lead on the Orioles. So let's. I'm going to keep touting the fact that the Yankees are not going to be able to score any runs. And then hopefully they break out tonight and put up like, I don't know, like six runs in like one game. Wouldn't that be crazy? Six runs in one game. That would be wild, absolutely wild. Mets and the, the Rays are still scoreless as they play in the first. 
down at the Trop. Now, we've opened with the Knicks. Certainly want to get your phone calls. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, we'll do that. But also, there is obviously one change that has been a long time coming. But now with the playoffs right around the corner, Tom Thibodeau cannot put it off anymore. And you know what it is. And we'll get into it next. Hey, uh, all right. So we're talking about the next 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Before we go to the calls, I said that, that there has to be a change, right? There's two games left in the regular season. And this has been a topic for a while. And it's been a growing topic. At the beginning of the season, it was something that was pointed out quite regularly. But as the season has moved along, it has become more and more apparent. And, you know, based on some injuries and the level of trust that Tom Thibodeau has earned as a result of the turnaround this year, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, I think he's kind of earned that. To do what he's done this year with this group has built up that trust. But that said, it's way past time that Alfred Payton is starting games or playing any meaningful minutes at this point. You can see it on a night-in, night-out basis during the games. There's a reason why the Knicks are always trailing in the first quarter. And you look at all the metrics, the advanced metrics, whatever you want. The team is better when he's off the court, and the other team is better when he's on the court. There's no, nothing else needs to be said. He's never been an offensive threat, but lately it has gotten worse. The pacing with him on the floor has always kind of been poor. I mean, they're basically playing four on five on offense. And I don't know if it's the offense has affected his game. I don't know if his confidence is just kind of shot, but his defense has slipped as well. Even at his peak, it, it would not warrant how poor he is on offense. And in a playoff series... Right when you're playing a team time and time again, and they're and they're focusing on what your flaws are, you know it's going to be a bigger factor. And the Knicks again don't have that large a margin, if they have any margin at all, for you know margin for error. So you've seen the minutes decrease as he has continued to play worse and worse, and Tibbs has been quick on the hook here in games. But he's still starting. He started every game that he's played. And with the Knicks looking for every edge that you can get, that is one that they have to make before the playoffs begins. Now, I would not start Rose because you've seen now, right? He needed a day yesterday because he played whatever minutes it was uh, in L.A. Was it 39 minutes or 38 minutes? I mean, they've been riding him, and he's been fantastic. But I don't think that you can do that time and time again. I think, and it, I think it is important for him to stay, you know, with that bench unit that comes in and provides energy and provides scoring and all those type of things. But you, you need, I don't need somebody to be sensational to come in and start. I just need somebody who isn't bad. I mean, just overall bad from the start. And such a net negative overall. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, let's get some phone calls, and I've gabbed enough here. Let's go to uh, Sean is in Hillside. Sean, you're first up on ESPN New York. Hey, what's up? Um, quick question. If the Knicks, the Heat, and the Hawks all win their next two games, why do the Knicks end up in the sixth seed if they have a tiebreaker against the, if they have a tiebreaker against the Hawks? Well, because the Hawks are the, the division winner. 
Uh, so they would be four. Uh, and that's the first way you break up the three-way tie. And then it comes down to the two-way tie between the Heat and the Knicks. And the Heat swept the Knicks during the regular season. Now, if it's a two-way tie, Knicks have the tiebreaker against the Hawks. But if it's three-way, the criteria for breaking the tie changes. All right, thanks. All right, Sean, there you go. Look at that. Bringing people together. That's my thing. Sean calls up with a question. Bang, knocked it out of the park. Look at that. What a... It's in the paper every day, but I, if it if it if I can provide them with the answer, that's that's what it's all about. Google is your friend, I would say, but I, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Let's go out to uh, Doug is on Long Island. Doug, what's going on, pal? Hey, Gordon, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. What's up? All right. Um, I think the thing with the Bucks games coming up, it's not a question of can they beat the Heat. It's more like whether they want to beat the Heat. If you well, there is, there is motivation because they want to get. They still have a shot at getting the two seed, and they need to win their games yeah, then, to get there. The Nets are playing the big three tomorrow. They ain't losing to Chicago, and then they know what's at stake. They want that seven seed. And you, why, why would the the Heat have already last season ended Milwaukee season? The Heat could take Milwaukee in the first round to six, possibly seven games, even if they win and send them in banged up into a net series. I, I just think it's a no-brainer for them. Um, but for me, I, we're going to find out a lot about Julius Randle now because you know there's going to be a week's preparation, whoever they're playing, yep. and it's going to be to double him and get the ball out of his hands, and he's going to have to find guys. You know, these open threes are going to be the whole game. And I've been asking you for two months for only a decent, not a great, not a good, just a decent Peyton, and we're not even yeah. getting that. But I think no. game one he's going to start – because I think if they get beat up in game one, he comes out of the starting lineup, and that's the move. But you get, you're going to see. If, if, if Burks can play, I don't even think Peyton's going to get the 15 minutes he's been getting. If Burks is healthy, he may start the game and not play again. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, at this point, Doug, and, and you know, I've been kind of, you know, kind of giving Peyton the benefit of the doubt, giving Thibodeau the, 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 the benefit of the doubt. But he has just regressed even from where he was, which was not great to begin with. Uh, and now uh, it just seems like he's just, um, you know, offensively he's never been a factor. Now it's like it's in his head. Um, defensively he's slipped as well, and uh, he, he's not providing any value. And you just take a look at all the stats. Doug, thanks for the phone call. You take a look at all the stats. You know, the, the Knicks are worse when he's on the floor, and the other team is better when he's on the floor, and the Knicks are better when he's off the floor, and the other team is worse when he's off the floor. <laughs> you, don't really, you don't really need much more than that. Uh, let's go out to Spike, formerly of Jersey. Spike, what's going on? Good evening, my friend. Let's have a little discussion about this before I talk about uh, Aaron Hicks stealing money. I think he shows up in the ballpark and uses his key card and he's injured. It's a joke already. All right, here's with the Knicks. I agree with you. I thought you were going in the direction of Derrick Rose to start. You can't. You have to no, manage his minutes can't. extremely. Right. I don't want to use a so – you know, he has a limited amount of minutes. I want to use those minutes as much as I can later on in the game, right? I just want somebody to be kind of like league average to come into the game and not get me behind by 10 points in the first quarter. Okay, all right. Here's the conundrum we have. We need, and I agree with you, Lorel for Peyton. You know, all year we're talking. I never wanted him. Uh, he can't shoot. He misses bunnies. We know that, 50%. And here's the problem. Who's going to bring the ball up? Maybe you're better off giving Peyton three or four minutes of burn. You can't bring Burks in. He can't handle the ball that well. Quickly, he's young. You may be better off going with him, but he's more of an instant offense. He has little stalks in him. So, so here's my thing. 
I think here's the matchups. I looked at the matchup matchups. Now, now Milwaukee in, in God's green earth would rather play uh, the Knicks than Miami. I mean, no question about it. Right. Right. Okay. And they now they played earlier this year. They they uh, was it more? Yeah. They heat that back to backs on the late in December. Uh, I think they lost by 42 points on the 28th or 29th of December, and then they beat them the next night, you know, with the condensed schedule. So there's no way this is going to happen. I was explaining to Brian that it can't be fifth. It's going to be fourth or sixth. And there's no way they're going to even try to win the game. I mean, it just makes no sense. I'm not saying they're going to dump the game, but they'll play 22 minutes. You know, that's what's going to happen. So let's accept the fact that we got the Bucks. The Bucks are the worst of the three top teams. I don't think you'll argue with me. Philly and Brooklyn are much better. And the Knicks have a shot of beating the Bucks. You know, they're a little, they're a great rebounding team. They're a little lumbering, and you build the wall. Thibodeau right now is probably building the wall. I don't know who he's going to use. You know, call a building company. But we have to figure out how to get the ball over the eight-second line. And quickly may be the choice. That's a lot to throw on a youngster who's been hot and cold. Uh, he has a lot of potential. Uh, but I think the way to go here is to either give uh, Peyton two or three or four minutes, and if you're getting a hole, and that's it for him, and the second game goes quickly. We yeah, just I mean, don't like, have the other yeah. guy. We yeah, don't have another guy. Spike, if, if, you, if you're, you're talking about like two or three or four minutes, then you're in your mind you've already kind of made the decision, right? Like this guy's an issue, and I can't trust him in any way. Like what am I? What am I wasting another four minutes on? He's down to thirteen minutes an hour. Who's going to bring the ball? Who's going to bring the ball up at the start of the game? Well, I mean, you could have. I mean, I know I can hear what you're saying about Burks, but Quickly's there, and, and maybe I know he, it's not in Tibbs's nature, but maybe it's time to give Frank a couple of minutes a game. Uh, okay, there you go. That's that's where I was going. Hey, listen, the last three, the last four times the game and the the, the game and against the Clippers or the Lakers, a Frank looked lost. But Frank has learned to do two things: make the three point shot and not make a free throw. He's forty four percent. He hasn't had that many chances. Frank might have earned himself another contract. I can't bite my tongue that I said yeah, that. But I, this I is great know. stuff. We're going we're, we're going to get the bucks. We know that. Let's just give them fun and run and build the wall, and I'll be happy. All right, Spike. Well, look, and thanks for the phone call. I'm not, I'm not giving up on four yet. Uh, I want to see what happens, and, and stranger things have happened. So I think if the Knicks win both of their – I think the biggest question is can the Knicks win both of their games? Because I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me all that much. It wouldn't shock me all that much uh, if the Heat lost the Bucks and then the Knicks dropped one of these two. So um, it's funny because it's almost like Tibbs – treats Peyton's defense like Neil Aquina's defense and Neil Aquina's offense like Peyton's offense. Like uh, Peyton right now is worse in both offense and defense than Neil Aquina. And yet he has started every, I think every single game the Knicks have played. No, I mean, that, that that's a change. You know, if, if you're putting him out there for the start of a game, a playoff game where you're saying, well, we'll see how it goes for these first three or four minutes. You're admitting to yourself, you know, <laughs> This is an issue. This is an issue. Ken is in Jersey. Ken, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, Gordon. How hey, are you? This is... Good, man. What's up? Hey, hey, well, you guys are talking about the Knicks and the point guard. I mean, I don't know if, if, if this is correct or not, but I saw uh, the box score from yesterday's game, and Bill Doza's name was on the box score. Whose so, name was on the box I mean, score? Bill Doza, the new the Spanish uh, guard that they just um, – they just signed. I don't so, think he's I mean, on, the on the box score. What, well, why would his name be on the box score? 
I don't know. Maybe they have them technically on the roster. Minutes, normally I don't know. I'll check. Well, I'll check that out. Yeah, I remember them signing him, but I, I have not seen him um, at games. Right. No, I haven't seen him either. But they had his name on the box score, and I thought that was kind of odd. You don't put the name on the box score unless he's he's going to be available, right? I mean, that's what I would think. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that. Uh, look. Anything uh, wouldn't surprise me, I guess, at this point, but I have not uh, – I don't think that that's a move. You know, I, I think it's a bit of a push to think that they're going to start playing Neil Aquina to bring in a kid that has never played <laughs> in the NBA <laughs> in the playoffs. I don't, I don't see Tibbs right. doing that. That that would really shock me. Yeah. I mean, but that kid, that guy from Spain, Bill Doza, I've seen the video on him. He's, he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the thing. These the kids playing in uh, – and he's not really a kid. He's like 24, 25. Um, no, he's a, no, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you see them sometimes in these other leagues, and they do look amazing. I, I don't think you could make that transition at this point of the season, though. I, <laughs> I'd be very surprised if in, uh, in, the first, uh, in the first game that you'll, you'll see uh, Phil Doza in, uh, on the Knicks here. I think that for the future, yeah. it's an exciting just, move, and it's I'm another move about that maybe he has faith in the, the front office, but uh, <laughs> I don't think you're going to see him now. Yeah, you're right. I was just thinking about options because you're right about Peyton and – you know they need they need an option at point guard. You know yep. going going yep. into the playoffs, Absolutely. they need somebody to handle that Thanks ball. Thanks for the call, man. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven. I think it's pushing it to think that Neil that Neil Aquina is going to get some serious run. Uh, some guy that uh, you know has never played in the NBA. I don't I don't know that the Knicks are, and Tibbs is going to break that out. He doesn't trans- <laughs> trust Neil Aquina. He's been here all year. Uh, he's been sitting there on the bench saying, "I'm ready to go." Uh, so I don't know if uh, Vildoza is, is going to come in uh, anytime soon. I thought that was one of those Bofa moments there for a second. I was thought he was pranking me, but uh, then, it, then it clicked. Then it clicked. The Yankees and Orioles still tied 1-1. And uh, look, I know offense is down, but have you seen what the Yankee lineup is? Now, look, they've been kind of forced into it because Glaber's gone and Hicks got injured and then Stanton came down with something. And for some reason, they still decided to give Urshela today off rather than, you know, maybe when... Stanton was feeling better, but okay. All right. Here you go. Here's the Yankee lineup. DJ LeMayhew at the top. Okay, good. No problem with that. Luke Voigt in the two-hole. All right. I'll sign for that, right? No Stanton, so the two-hole got Stanton going. Maybe Luke Voigt gets going in the two-hole. Aaron Judge batting third. So far, so good. Batting cleanup would be Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez is batting cleanup. Clint Frazier is hitting fifth. Clint Frazier is hitting fifth. A guy who, was it the Astros? Was it the Rays? I can't remember who it was. Intentionally walked Mike Ford to get to him is hitting fifth. Brett Gardner, with the OPS plus of 50, is hitting sixth tonight. Miguel Andujar, still waiting for that train to get rolling again. Miguel Andujar is uh, hitting seventh. Kyle Higashioka, eighth. Tyler Wade, ninth. Whew. Yikes, that is. The guys who are uh, four through nine, I, I figured it out. They have uh, 53 hits on the season. 53 hits and how many bats was it? 300 and something? Wasn't good. The math is not good. You don't need to be Bill James to know that math does not add up to a whole lot of uh, of offense. So 
Look, Yankees got a run on an Aaron Judge home run, so we'll see uh, if they can, <laughs> the next time Aaron comes up, maybe he can do it again, and the Yankees can score another run. That's the only hit they have so far tonight. Corey Kluber, he's given up a home run as well, so it's 1-1 there down at Camden Yards. Mets are facing the Rays, trying to uh, keep the winning streak. What would it be, nine in a row if they won tonight, right? Um, and they are still scoreless as they play in the second inning. But we've been talking a lot about uh, the New York Knicks, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776, and uh, about the uh, issues that the team has. Seems like more Knicks fans than, uh, than or at least Knicks fans right now, are of the belief that the Knicks are going to be the six, are, are going to get the Bucks. Um, I'm still holding out hope for the four. Maybe that's a foolish pipe dream, hoping that the Bucks can beat the Heat. But uh, I'm holding out hope, and I think that there are times, right, where the seeding is not all that important. I think for the Knicks, four is better than five, five is better than six. I would much rather face the Hawks. And that's not saying I know for a fact that they would beat the Hawks, but I have a lot, of, I have a lot more confidence in beating the Hawks than I would beating the Bucks. I don't think that those, those two things are not the same. So um, we'll see if the Knicks can win these two games over the weekend. We'll see if the Bucks can beat the Heat. And if that happens, well, then the Knicks are the four. Problem solved. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN. Let's go to, uh, is it Cullum in the Bronx? Cullum. What's going on, Gordon? Really quick. Um, I agree with earlier in the week the sentiment that Chris Carlin and a couple of others were letting out that saying, let's stop this moral victory stuff with the Knicks. We are here. We are in the playoffs. Let's live in the moment. We're going to have the whole offseason to wax poetically about how great they did. We're in the moment. We need to, make the, we need to get as high seed as possible. But I want to be the first person to genuinely say that I think the Knicks have a better chance of beating the Milwaukee Bucks than they do the Miami Heat if that's the matchup. I agree. We all agree that the Hawks is the best matchup. But I think over the last two seasons – and this season as well, I think we've, we've figured out that the Bucks. there is a game plan defensively to beat them. You build a wall around Giannis, and you, you attack those three-pointers or whatever. There's a method to beat them. And I think if anyone has a, a plan to beat them, when they already have a game plan to beat them, it's the guy who's consistently put out the number one defense in the, in the NBA this year. I think a lot of people are just saying, oh, man, don't – Stay out of the sixth seed because there's no chance of uh, the Knicks beating one, two, and three. I think the Milwaukee Bucks are a hundred percent beatable. A hundred percent beatable. Cullum, I mean, they have had their playoff uh, problems in the past, and it does seem like they are. Uh, you know, there is a blueprint to be able to beat them. But then, you know, it's not just about having the blueprint. You have to be able to carry out the blueprint too, right? I mean, like it's all well and good to have yeah, a plan, but, but also, you've got to carry out that plan. And I don't know if over a seven-game series. You. The Knicks are going to be that the Knicks have enough talent to carry out that plan and just shut down Giannis and, and think that that's, you know, they're halfway home. Yeah, I agree with you. There's one thing about having a game plan available and having a blueprint, but you actually have to execute it. But the Knicks have have overachieved in every single aspect up to this point. We said, oh, they're going to turn back into a pumpkin. I remember talking to you at the All-Star break saying that the Knicks were going to be better in the second half because I feel like they're just hitting their stride. And you were like, oh, let's worry about that six-game that six-game road trip. Everything can change about them. They yep. went up 3-3, three and three, and we all believe that was a disappointment at 3-3 three yep. and three at this point. The Knicks, I think there's a good possibility of anything that they're going to exceed expectations in the playoffs as well. They keep rising and rising and rising. Why can't they keep rising when they get to playoff time? 
Well, look, I mean, I think it kind of depends on the opponent. And Cullum, thanks for the call. I would agree with you. I mean, like, if you're talking about the Laker loss uh, in terms of the, um, uh, you know, everything's rosy, uh, you know, there's no repercussion. No, that was a terrible loss. The Knicks blew that game. And if they had not blown that game, we would be sitting here talking about how they were four. I'm sorry. I I don't see how the Knicks are better. It's almost like Knicks fans think that they're better off at six than they are at four. And I I don't agree with that. I think the Hawks are a more beatable team. And I'm not telling you that they would beat them for sure. I think that they would take at least a couple of games. And I think that they could very easily win that series. And if I had to pick that series, I would think I I probably would pick the Knicks. The Bucs series, I'm not telling you you're going to get swept. I'm not saying they're going to get run out of the building. I don't think the Knicks are going to get run out of the building in any of the playoff games. But do I think that they're going to win the series against the Bucs, even with their flaws in the postseason past? No, I don't. No, I don't. Uh, let's go out to uh, John is in Staten Island. John, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Gordon? Um, yeah, I had, an, I had an issue with uh, you and Nicola talking about putting Frank and Nikita in the, in the lineup. At this point in the season, I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it, man. We don't need to be t- trying Frank and Nikita starting lineup. He is not a good point guard. I could go to he's better. Right I now. mean, West John, West right West now he's better than what Peyton's giving you. Well, no, no, let, let me ask you this question. Peyton is, is a better basketball player, pound for pound, than Franklin Lakina ever can be. You cannot argue that. Franklin Lakina is not good. Listen, the, the infatuation that Nick fans have with Franklin Lakina. Look, it's John, I, it's not Nick an infatuation. Fans. It's the least dirty shirt, right? Like, I don't have that many okay. great options. So uh, I can't okay. play Rose starting minutes. Uh, Burks does have an issue, okay. you know, handling the ball. If you're saying that quickly, you don't trust him all that much because he's a rookie in playoff games. Well, Peyton's bad by every metric okay. and measure. He's bad. Okay, but this is this is the issue that I have. For one, when Peyton's out there on the court with Randall, majority of the time, Randall is running the show. The ball is facilitated through him. So, so at the end of the day, you know, what I mean, we don't really need him to be the facilitator. He just needs to play defense and attack the basket. Now, my but he's not doing that. that. But he, he does do that at times. You Listen, the thing that I have with Tibbs, though, Tibbs, the thing that Tibbs has done in the second half of this season, which I love, he's made the adjustment to limit Peyton's minutes and go with Burks at the point at times, Rose at the point quickly. He's going to other players that can run the show, especially with Randall facilitating. He's been able to make that adjustment, and the team has thrived in that. Going to Frank Nielakina at this time is not a good idea. Yes, that's well, look, not John, the, it's not, not something that I want to do, but I, I, if, it, if I'm looking at all the bad options, to me, continuing to play Peyton any meaningful minutes, that's number one. So everything after that is better than what the, num- the worst thing is. But, but when you when you say that you're saying you're saying Pete, let, let me ask this question. John, look at uh, look at all. I mean, guard. look at everything. He's he's a negative he, plus minus every single night. He's minus ten. He's <laughs> minus eleven. There's a reason why the Knicks are trailing in the first quarter of all these games, and there's a okay, reason but, why but, but, you've seen him go from 25 minutes or 22 minutes down to like 13 or 14. Even Tibbs realizes it. But uh, exactly. But also, but there's things that Payne does that Frank can't do. Frank, Frank doesn't even attack the basket when he's in the game. No, he, he doesn't. Pitches, he picks the ball. But, I mean, what could, but, ball but what good is it to attack the basket if you miss the shots it. all the time, John? But he, he can't finish. He can handle the ball. Frank Lillikina can't handle the ball. So you want well, to put Frank Lillikina in a, in, a in a playoff series with pressure on him where he can't handle the ball, where he picks his dribble up at half court majority of the time when the pressure's on him. He is not trustworthy with the basketball. You cannot put that, that kid in the game. He's had four years 
to prove himself, and he hasn't done it yet. You can, uh, John, his defense is better than Peyton's, and at least he can shoot the three. I mean, I'm not telling you that Frank's a perfect player, and John, thanks for the phone call, but, uh, you know, at, at this point, what is Peyton giving you? And Tibbs is, is his biggest supporter, and even he sees it. And even he has kind of hinted around. You know, he got, he got asked about it after last night's game, and he just kind of avoided the question. But it, it's pretty obvious. And I'm not telling you that there's a great option. There's not. Clearly there's not. But I don't think that you can continue. You know, you're saying don't broke. Uh, don't, you don't have to fix what's not broke. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I can't even get the words out tonight. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, if you wait until it is broke, you're not going to be able to fix it because it's going to be the playoffs. That's the issue. Like, you could ride this out the regular season because you had a cushion, you, you kind of, you know, going on your way, and it wasn't uh, the most glaring thing. Now that you got two games left in the season, you, you don't really have much more time to tinker around with it when it's been an issue for a while and it's trending in the wrong direction. Do you guys ever remember the TV show The Mole? It was, a, um, it was a reality show, and it had, like, say, 12 contestants. And the contestants were strangers to one another, and they had to work together each episode on accomplishing a goal. And they went in knowing that one person, it was a mystery, but one person was the mole, and that person's job was to work against the group. And then every episode, at the end of the episode, people would have to vote on who they thought the mole was. And they'd have to answer questions. And based on how many questions they got right or wrong, if they got too many wrong, they would be off the show. I'm starting to think that Clint Frazier is the mole. A moment ago, Clint Frazier got a base hit. The Yankees lead the Orioles 2-1. Aaron Judge, second home run of the night. So he's carrying his weight. The Yankees have, what, two other hits? Three other hits. Clint Frazier led off the inning with a base hit. The next batter up, Brett Gardner, hits a fly ball to left field. Tough play. Center fielder comes over, can't make the catch. The left fielder fields the ball and throws it into second base, and Frazier's out. He's standing back at first base. Dude, what are you doing? Wow, that's terrible. What are you doing? I mean, like, what are the odds that Clint Frazier and Brett Gardner got hits back-to-back? You know how, how rare that has been this year? Might be the first time it's ever happened. Certainly feels like it. I, I don't know what he's doing. It's almost like he's begging them to send him down. Oh, my Lord, what a disaster of a season for Clint Frazier. But the Yankees do lead the Orioles 2-1 as they now move to the bottom of the fourth. And I, if, you, if I were Corey Kluber, I would keep it 2-1. I don't know how much more support you are going to be uh, getting this evening. And uh, not a lot of run support uh, for the Mets either, as they are right now scoreless against the Rays as they play in the top of the fourth down at the beautiful Trop. Uh, We've been focused on the Knicks a lot, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. I did want to kind of touch on the Yankees a little bit now. We we touched on the the stuff uh, for tonight in the lineup, and and just because of the injuries, just uh, what a mess it is. And I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it, that uh, the options are internal, right? Like if the number one goal, which the Yankees have made clear, is that they are staying under the luxury tax threshold this year, the idea that they're going to go out and make some big trade for some big name, big money player, 
I, I just don't see it happening unless they're going to go completely back on what their stated goal was. So I don't care how many times Trevor Story's name came, comes up or how many rumors are, oh, it makes sense for him to go. I, I don't really think it does. I don't really think it does. I get that he's available. I get that the Rockies probably will move him. But the first question is, how would the Yankees be able to afford him and stay under the luxury tax threshold? People are just kind of leaving that part out of the mix. Ah, you make the money work. No, I mean, you have to make the money work. And there's not really many ways for the, to, to make the money work. In addition to that, you'd have to ask, why is Cashman going to pay twice for a guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season, trade for him now, pay whatever prospects you'd have to pay, and you'd, I mean, even at a prorated rate, You'd have to think that you're going to have to give up some good prospects to get Trevor Story, and then you're going to have to pay him uh, a huge contract after the season. I don't know if the Yankees are, are willing to dip their toe in that money. Uh, you know, I think the budget is kind of the budget, and they're going to kind of stick to the budget from, from this point on. Now, as you get deeper into the season, he's making 17 and a half. I guess as you get deeper into the season, his remaining money – is less and less, but even if it's seven, eight million dollars at the halfway point, do the Yankees have that uh, much wiggle room this year, considering the other injuries that they might face? Never mind the fact that Trevor Story is not the same guy away from Coors Field. In his career at Coors Field, he is an All-Star player. Away from Coors Field, he's a he is a below-average player. He is not the same guy. OPS plus at Coors Field, 123. So he's 23% better than average at home. Uh, on the road, plus 76. So he's, what, 24% below average on the road. So that's one issue. The other issue, which they kind of brought up on the K-Show earlier today, was they asked about, you know, with these injuries now, with, with Hicks clearly going to miss some time, with the struggles of Frazier and, and, uh, and Gardner, what about the possibility of Stanton maybe playing some outfield? Now, look, it doesn't really make any sense because it's not like they have some great hitter blocked on the bench. Would it be nice to be able to give guys a, you know, a half day by playing them as the DH if you could put Stanton in the outfield? Yeah, I guess, but they don't want to risk it. They are petrified that he's going to get hurt again, and look at that. Just even the mention, the mere mention of him playing the outfield, and he's hurt again. Keep in mind, this is a guy who has already played more games, I think, this year than he did the last two years combined. This is a guy who just cannot stay healthy, even just being the DH. And Jack Curry had the, the tweet earlier today. That he said that Boone was uh, not committed to playing Stanton in the outfield, but it is an option that he is considering. He said Stanton is continuing to work in the outfield, but Boone is wary of springing a nine-inning game on a player who has DH'd all year. Stay tuned. Spring it on him. We're not asking him to kick field goals before the game. It's baseball. He's a baseball player. <laughs> Spring the option of, of, of playing the actual sport. Spring it on him. I don't want to spring it on him. Well, you'd have to think that you'd know it as a possibility. You are on a baseball team. <laughs> no. We don't want to keep him on his feet for the whole game. I mean, the Yankees, they have a program that they, they teach the players to kind of know how to, to talk to the media, what to say, what not to say, how to talk around questions somewhat. Um, maybe they need to give that to the, 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 the people who are speaking for the team 
at speaking for the players. Because like, it seems like there could not possibly be a softer team. Despite all these precautions that they are taking from getting guys hurt, what ends up happening? They keep getting guys hurt. And now they're worried about a guy standing. You know what they should do? They should replace the dugout. And you ever see those gravity chairs that they have? You know, they sell for like $5,000. You think to yourself, who would ever buy one of those? Zero gravity chairs or your legs fit in like slots? Or maybe, what is it, hyperbaric chambers? Maybe just have a series of hyperbaric chambers in the dugout. So you have your at-bat, boom, right in, back into like, it's like a bobsled thing, right? The, the, the thing slides over your head. 31-year-old professional athlete, the prime of his life, with muscles on top of muscles. And I've said this before. Just lie to me about what's going on with the injuries. Tell me, you know what, he can't play the outfield. He had a premonition of something bad happening out there. Or you know what, his astrologer told him, you know, to avoid open spaces. It's unbelievable. The things that they say out loud. We don't want to spring a nine-inning game on him in the field. Spring it on him. He's on the team. He's on a baseball team. They know that he is, he is, I don't know what other way to put it. He's brittle. He gets hurt a lot. And they are petrified of losing him. And I get it. Because when they, now that they've lost him, and you'd have to think, I, 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 let's hope it's only a day or two thing, but past, is, uh, past history is the best barometer of future events. I wouldn't be shocked that this is going to be a DL stint. And now you've taken out one of the guys who are actually hitting in this lineup. So, and not even playing him in the field. So the, playing him in the field, unless it's just something that they cannot avoid, they are, they are not playing him in the field. They have, what is it, seven more years of him? Four more years of Aaron Hicks? Woof, yikes. Rough, rough. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. I don't want to spring this on you, but if you placed a phone call to the station, we might be taking the call now. I don't want to spring it on I don't want to surprise you, catch you off guard. I'm playing left field today. Oh my God. I didn't, I, I'm not prepared. Spring it on him. I don't want to spring it on him. Let's go to the phones, shall we? Let's go to Sean on Long Island. Sean, what's going on, pal? How are you? I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm good. I'm yeah, thanks good. for taking my call. Yep. Uh, I basically wanted to say that season definitely does matter. I would like the Knicks to play the Hawks. But everybody is, you know, up and high on the Nets. And I'm not saying they ain't a great trio. But they can't, they can't play defense. They can't play defense inside. And that's what's going to hurt them in the playoffs. I don't even see them making the Eastern Conference Finals. Honestly, I know the they're, offensive juggernaut. they're offensive juggernaut. I get that. But you've got to play defense. Yeah, I don't know. If you have that much offense, I don't know if you need to play defense. But, but you know they're going to slow the game down. And, and, and – the playoffs, they're going to slow the game down. Now, up and down, every possession is going to matter. Now, that's what I really believe. I understand they got a, the greatest offense probably ever. But if you look at the last two games that they did play Milwaukee, they got killed. Okay. Well, I mean, are you saying you want the Knicks to play the Nets? No, I definitely don't want that. But I, what I want, <laughs> I, mean, I definitely don't want that. I would right. like the Knicks to play the Nets. You get all these flaws. You want to play them? Oh, no. God, no. No, right. God, no. But. You know, I'm just saying everybody is so high up on the Nets. And I'm just saying, not saying that, you know, it's not possible, but Giannis killed him the last couple of games. Yeah, he's pretty good. I know the Nick fans. Sean, thanks for the phone call. I know Nick fans. It's amazing. 
Nick fans kind of, and I am one, but I like to think that I'm, I'm somewhat rational Nick fan. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's like uh, plastic silverware or jumbo shrimp. Nick fans wonder why sometimes people roll their eyes at Nick fans. And I think you're starting to see it, right? Like they've already gotten a foregone conclusion. If they play the Hawks, they're beating the Hawks. Now, could they beat the Hawks? Yeah, I think they could. Could they lose the Hawks? Yeah, I think they could. But now we have, you know what? We'd rather play the Bucks. And you know what? The Nets, they got all these problems. At least he was willing to admit. Do you want to play the Nets? Oh, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Let's not get crazy here. Let's go to uh, Frank is in Queens. Frank. Frank. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for taking my call. How are you? Good, good. Um, so I'm a diehard Knicks fan, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Before the season started, I was optimistic that I, I, I said they're going to win 30 games. My friends laughed at me. But I said, just because of, of uh, Thibodeau, mm-hmm. I figured I'd put them at 30 wins. I mean, they definitely overachieved. Uh, I agree with you about some Knicks fans that they kind of like, I don't want to say getting cocky, but yes, keep saying they're going to beat the Hawks. I mean, yeah. I mean, me personally, I mean, I'm, I'll be happy just like the progress they're doing. I mean, can we beat the Hawks? I, I, I think we could. As far as the heat of the teams, we could probably beat them too. But I just kind of, I just want to like, I don't want to set the expectations way too high for them yet because I still think that uh, we need one more player. Like, Julius Randle's a good player, but I don't think he's a closer. Like, watch, watching the game against the Lakers, like, they should have never lost a game. And I feel like Julius Randle should have taken a better shot. Like, I have yet to see the guy make a game winner. And that's, like, my uh, only I mean, knock I, on I, him I, yet. No, look, I mean, Frank, he, he's, he's not the issue. I mean, you have, to, you, have to, uh, you have to improve the supporting cast around him. I mean, that's the thing. I oh, mean, absolutely you know, not. He's definitely not the issue. I mean, the guy's, yeah. a, the guy's probably their best player, absolutely. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying. I think, that, I think the Knicks just need one more player, like, Derek Rose has given them amazing, amazing games this past uh, past couple of weeks. But let's be honest. I mean, how long can you keep it up? I mean, this is like vintage Rose, but I don't think you can keep it up. Yeah. So well, look, I, I mean, think he can do it. I think I, he can do it on a limited basis. I just don't think you can move him into the starting yeah. lineup and think he's going to be the same thing or that he's not going to wear down. I mean, there's a reason why, um, you know, he, he's kind of been down. You know, the injuries are an issue, and you got to keep him healthy. And and to do that, I think you have to. Yeah. You know, you have to find the right frame for him to kind of fit in in terms of minutes. So, uh, no, he's been good. I mean, Absolutely. I think the Knicks I, – I kind of feel like – and, Frank, thanks for the phone call. I think the Knicks – look, I love this year. This year has been amazing. I thought that uh, – I think I said at the beginning of the year, I think it was 25, 26 wins. I think the over-under was 22. I thought there would be slightly above that because I did think that, that Tibbs would be, like, all in. I didn't think he was going to tank the season. That's just completely – um, against every fiber of his being. So I thought they were going to be slightly better than that. I think I said 25 or 26 wins, and obviously they've blown past that. I think they're a little further. You know, it depends on what you're, you're saying. Like, for the Knicks to be a perennial top three team, they're at least one really good player away, I think, from being that. In terms of being a championship team, I think they're even further away. I think they need probably a couple of spots. Obviously, the, the, the most glaring one after this season is going to be point guard. They, ha- they have to figure that, that out uh, in, in, the, in the short term right here. Uh, that's the number one area. That's the number one need. And I would think that that would be the area of focus coming uh, into next season. And, and put it, I mean, the, the Knicks have needed a point guard forever. You see just in how Derrick Rose plays in the time that he plays, when you have a guy that can, can handle the ball and hit shots and, see, and, and set up other people, 
you see how much of an impact that has on a night-to-night basis. Now, the problem for Derrick Rose is you can only get it, you know, at his stage of his career. You can only, you know, you can't be the starting guy. You got to go out and find that starting guy. But forever, the the, uh, the you know the Yankees have been looking for a number two starter. The Jets have been looking for a pass rusher, and the Knicks have been looking for a, a point guard. And the, the Knicks point guard is right up there with the Jets pass rusher. <laughs> Yankees boy, oof. Oh, Miguel Andujar has a hit. Oh, my God. There might still be a chance for the Yankees. Probably not. They trail the Orioles 4-2 as they play in the uh, seventh inning. Shohei Otani has hit another home run tonight. And it was a really weird – it looks like it was just like a a regular kind of fly ball to left in Boston. And it just kept going and going and going and going. And I I realize it's it's only mid-May. But if he stays healthy – I mean, what's the point of even having an MVP? The guy has now 11 home runs on the season. And what is his ERA? Like 2.15 or something like that with 1,000 strikeouts? I mean, how can you beat that? Now, there is a concern that he stays healthy. Sometimes you chase two rabbits and uh, you'll end up with neither. But so far, wow, what a story for him this year. And, of course, it has not impacted the Angels with <laughs> It's amazing. They have two these two guys who are clear possible MVP candidates, although Trout, uh, you know, he's that every single season. But Otani's now finally healthy. He's got a slugging of 600, and the Angels can't get out of their own way. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN. Eli is in Washingtonville. Eli... Hey, what's going on, Robert? Listen, before I get to my Yankee point and uh, uh, and why I think you and Mike will just stop complaining about the Yankees. And uh, well, well, let them start point, hitting, uh, and then I'll stop complaining. <laughs> uh, I'll get to that point in a minute. Well, out of your, the stories that you have of you know animals versus uh, humans, people. Yeah, people. I remember when I was a kid. Yeah. When I was a kid, there was like about to, you know, there was about to be this fight in this between two teenagers or whatever, and one of them had a pit bull. Oh, and uh, one of the kid, uh, one kid was like, "Listen, if you didn't have your pit bull, we'll fight, whatever." And then the kid let the pit bull go, and the pit bull lunged at the other kid. Yeah. And out of out of pure fear, the kid just threw a haymaker and knocked out the pit bull. Wow. That kid, I would have that on a shirt. I would be wearing a shirt that said, I knocked out a pit bull on it. Now, was this the singer pit bull or was this the dog pit bull? You became a legend of uh, I would say so. Oh, my God. What? That, that pit bull couldn't show his face in that neighborhood for years. He went to the, he went to the dog pound on his own. It was on a pure chance. Like, he caught him in the right Hey, look. <laughs> Otherwise, that guy wouldn't be alive today. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, listen. When I when, when it comes to the Yankees, who's in charge of putting together a team? Cashman. Now, every time I call the show and I start going crazy about Brian Cashman, you guys throw a hundred and something wins last year and all this other noise. Mm-hmm. But look at the disaster that this guy has done. He had faith in Sanchez. Sanchez is nothing but a bust. This guy, Gleyber Torres, was supposed to be the future shortstop of the New York Yankees, according to him. Wow. I mean, on Gleyber, it's May. I mean, I'm not going to give up on – I think Sanchez, I think you're right. I I think the ship has sailed on Sanchez. That's fair. 
And then everybody talks about the injuries, but this guy signs these plays. Jacoby yeah. Ellsbury. The, the Hicks contract that, is terrible. I mean, Hicks. he's on the hook for that. For, for Now, look, it's not big money. It's $10 million a year. But for four more years for a guy who can't stay healthy, um, you know, the, uh, you take a look at this lineup. Now, this guy's missing tonight, but it wasn't like when those guys were in there that they were doing all that great either. Okay, so well, this guy is responsible for putting together this team. Like, yep. It's, so how is it not his fault? Like, no, every it's his fault. Year if, if the, well, see, here's the thing, Eli. If this is going to be the story of the Yankees throughout the entire season, then you're right. Then he has done a, a bad job, and I think that part of that is also tied into ownership who didn't want, you know, they're right smack dab in the window of opportunity and decided to kind of pen, pinch pennies and, and not go out and make any big moves this offseason. But you're right. If it does turn out that the Yankees have this bad season, don't make the playoffs, can't hit all season long, there is one person responsible for that, and it would be Brian Cashman. Absolutely. But you have to let that happen. Right. You can't, but you can't blame the ownership for, for pinching pennies. I'm talking about the te- – no well, other no, you team can. is operating you, you, this way. No, you can. I mean, you can, you can blame them for deciding when – you're cl- I mean, you'd have to say the Yankees are close. They have made the playoffs here the last three or four years. They have not been able to get over the hump. And this offseason, the moves that they made were based on the fact that they had no money to spend because they wanted to stay under the luxury tax threshold. That wasn't Brian Cashman saying, hey, you know what would be a good idea? Let's stay under the luxury tax threshold. It was Hal saying we lost more money than anybody else in baseball last year because of the pandemic. Fans aren't going to be in the stands completely until maybe midway this season. So I don't want to go out and spend a whole bunch of money. That, that's on, on him. But, yeah, but no, I mean, in terms of building the team, these moves are on Brian Cashman. Absolutely. Yeah, and then how many times are you going to knock on the door asking for money? Supposedly well, this I mean, guy was the uh, – uh, Cole was the, the piece. Like he went was. to the oh, we, all we need is Cole. And look what happened. He gave well, him Cole. And what, of Cole. course, anyone will get mad. Well, no, Cole has lived up to it. I mean, I, I have no – Cole might be making $36 million a year. He's been a bargain so far. If they didn't have him, I don't know where they'd be. All right, anyway, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776 is the telephone. Oh, Cole is not uh, – don't take my Cole away from me. I might let him start hitting. You know what? Ken Singleton's in the booth tonight because they're down at, uh, at Camden Yards. Is he down at Camden Yards? Does he live in Baltimore? so tough to tell. I know Michael's up here, but I think Ken lives down there. I would figure that's why he's part of the, the mix. Maybe have him take some at-bats. Could he be any worse than, uh, than Gardner or Frazier at this point? I don't know. <laughs> he's certainly better than Mike Ford. I have more confidence than Kenny at the age, whatever age he is, <laughs> lying in the single in the center than I do in anybody else in this Yankee lineup right now. It's bad, man. It is bad. They got six hits tonight. Two of them are home runs by Judge. They've got two runs. Oh, it's rough. It's rough, people. You know what's not rough? The news. The headlines. You know, during the morning, we used to do a a little segment that people loved called Headlines. Now, since we have not been doing the mornings, no one has requested us bring it back. But we're going to be proactive and bring it back right now. It's time for Headlines. Today's Headlines. Extra, extra. If you're new to Headlines, The point of headlines is we don't read the stories. We only read the headlines. And usually we will cap headlines with that's a jam-packed headline. 
a jam-packed headline is a headline that's 10 words or less that really paints a picture. You'll get it as we move along. First headline, Christy Teigen, cookware line removed from Target amid bullying drama. Maybe extra, it's me. Extra. But why does Christy Teigen have a, is she a cook? Isn't she a supermodel? Why does she have a cooking line? I'm kind of glad they've removed that uh, cooking line. This way I can spend more money on my Cheryl Teague's line of celebrity hammers. The Carol Alt baseball bats line. What is she doing with a cookware line? I'm not exactly sure. Next headline. Extra, There extra. we go. We're, we're a little out of practice on the sound of there. Chicago. Boy, Chicago sounds like a fun place. Chicago releases 1,000 feral cats to end the reputation as rat capital of America. I didn't know Chicago was the rat capital of America. What are they complaining about? We just detailed in the last segment, most people feel like they can take rats. Well, that's the thing. You're going rat mano a mano. In Chicago, they team up. That's the Chicago way. Um, when reached for comment, the Chicago bird population couldn't be... I'm sorry, they're doing what now? Releasing feral cats? It's only a matter of time before the, the, the bird people are upset at the cat people. It, it's going to be chaos in Chicago here before too long. It's not already. Uh, moving on. Extra, extra. Woman hoarding gas flees police catches on fire after crash. Boom. That's the the time. Extra, there extra. we go. Boy, we are rusty. We're like the Yankee lineup. Bitcoin plunges 12% after Elon Musk tweets that Tesla will not accept it as payment. Wait a second. The crazy imaginary internet money might not be as secure as wingnuts in your life think it is? That's weird. Extra, Moving on. Extra. There we go. We got it that time without even saying anything. And finally, this week's example of a jam-packed headline. Ten words or less, paint a word picture for you. From the New York Post. NYC teacher caught suckling topless man's nipple during Zoom class. Boom! That put, I put that in your mind. If you want an example of a jam-packed headline, that, my friends, is extra, a jam-packed headline. Extra, extra. Uh, and this week in Florida, man. Well, it's not really this week. It's probably been like the last six months in Florida, man. This, uh, some of them we just can't use. Some of them are just too much. Florida, man. In case you wondered, like, in the last six months, has Florida, man, calmed down? The answer would be no. The answer would clearly be no. Here we go. Rapid fire. Florida man stabbed with swordfish during altercation. Extra, extra. Florida man takes taxi home after robbing bank. Extra, extra. Florida man crashes police car in chase, steals second police car. Extra, extra. Well, look, if you don't succeed the first time, you just stick with it, people. Follow your dreams. Florida man arrested after getting enraged in argument about Tom Brady. Extra, extra. Florida man arrested after stealing baby swans. Extra, extra. Florida man sent to jail after using COVID-19 relief funds to buy a Lamborghini. Extra, extra. Florida man facing jail time after stealing Leonard Skinner memorabilia. Extra, extra. Florida man charged with throwing alligator into Wendy's. Extra, extra. Florida man awarded $37,000 after cops mistaked glazed donut for meth crumbs. Extra, extra. And finally, this is a Texas man, but I still feel like it warrants a Florida man segment. Texas man arrested after refusing to leave his burning car. Extra, extra.
strip. All right, that's going to do it for headlines. And this must be a mistake. This must be wrong. This must be an error. Is this Yankeeography? Is this a replay from some other year, some other time? Oh, it can't be Yankeeography. It's on Picks 11. The Yankees have gotten a three-run home run from Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela! Oh, Gio Urshela! Thank God for Gio Urshela. Boom! Bang! We're fighting tooth and nail to beat the Orioles, people. You get all the wins you can. Yankees lead. I'll find the remote here and check on the Mets, too. Mets can't lose and the Yankees can't hit. Mets right now are at last check. They still leading 2-0? Mets going for nine in a row tonight. It's now 2-1 as they play in the eighth inning. And Peterson is still in there. He's, he's been very economical. Only uh, 90 pitches so far in the night. But we'll see if the Mets can hold on to this lead down in Tampa. We'll see if the Yankees can hold the lead because, God, they've gotten five runs in one game. You really can't ask for much more than that. All right, so, uh, of course, the Jets' schedule is out. The Giants' schedule is out. And I thought, you know, after looking at everybody's schedule, running it all down, running it through the Gordon Damer algorithm, that this would be the perfect time. The draft is over. Free agency is largely over. There'll be some signings, I'm sure. Some guys still out there looking to latch on with the team. But this would be the right time for our first edition of Poop Rankings. During the show, when we were doing it in the morning, everybody, every show kind of does their power rankings, but everybody does that, right? We wanted the polar opposite of power rankings. So thus, poop rankings were born. All right, let's start it off. We only rank five, and they are the bottom five. And we do it Casey Kasem style. We start at number five. That's the way you're, you don't start at one. That's wrong. You got to count them down. No long-distance dedications here, though. Number five. Coming in at number five is the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles will be the fifth worst team in 2021. Team in transition. A team that last year was one of the worst teams. Had a rookie quarterback, and yet they only played him very minimally. Four games, right? The most injured team in the NFL since 2018. They have a stretch where they play four games in 17 days. They also follow that with five road games in seven weeks. Not ideal. Also, you have to add into the mix rookie head coach, essentially a rookie quarterback, and they also stink. Yeah, that you also have to factor in. They're just not any good. So the number five team in the uh, initial poop rankings in 2021 are the Philadelphia Eagles. There we go. All right. Just one. Just one. We don't know. We didn't need two. Number four. This is going to surprise. This is going to shock. Number four. The New England Patriots. Yep. The New England Patriots, seven and nine last year, but they lost their best offensive lineman. They lost their most reliable wide receiver. They used a first round pick on a quarterback who is not going to start the season almost certainly. They brought back Cam. That really didn't mesh last year. Overpaid for a bunch of wide receivers and a bunch of tight ends. I know that people think, well, you know, the Patriots are 7-9, and nine, but they'll be back now. They got, they got Mac Jones. They're going to turn things around. Now Bill Belichick gets to see how the other half lives. Now all of a sudden he goes from his ivory tower back to the muck and mire like all the rest of us. He's cast out of his castle in the sky of NFL supremacy. And now he's got to do all the work 
of putting a team back together. And they were not a very good team last year. Keep in mind, they were 7-9, and nine, and they played the Jets twice. Now, they're going to play the Jets twice again this year. But they're going to be better, the Jets. They're not going to be as bad as they were last year. So I don't think the Patriots, I know everybody talks about, well, the Bills are clearly the, 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 the top seed in the AFC East. Maybe the Dolphins can pick them off. Maybe the Patriots can pick them off. I don't think the Patriots are going to be that good. So number four in the poop rankings are the New England Patriots. There you go. Number three, the New York Jets. The Jets, last year, they owned, by the end of the season, all five spots on the poop rankings. That's how bad last year was. Now, they're going to be better this year. And I think that they could have a season that as the season goes along, as the rookie quarterback goes along, as the rookie head coach goes along, they start to develop something and they play far better. I could see some early struggles. They do have the fourth easiest schedule, which is saying something because they don't get to play the Jets. Imagine how easy that schedule would be if they played the Jets. But they do have a bunch of winnable games, and there has to be some sort of post-Adam Gase bounce. They're just going to play better this year. And usually the teams that are at the top of the draft one year, um, you usually see some improvement, and it wouldn't take much, right? Like if the Jets got to five wins this year, it wouldn't be all that shocking because they have to play better than they did last year. I mean, they were just so bad in every aspect. It looked like they were surprised that there were games when the game started. Like that Bills, the season opener last year, was like, wait, we're playing it? We're doing this? And there were a lot of games like that. So number three on the poop rankings are the New York Jets. Number two. These are the real powerhouses now, people. Number two, the Detroit Lions. The Onion hat. Yikes. Uh, the Onion has a headline, which is actually in a, it's the Onion. It's satirical, but the headline is, quote, we're so screwed, says Detroit Lions fan after seeing they got matched up against other teams again. The Lions in my lifetime have never really been good. They've never been a factor. They have not won a playoff game since 1991. To put that in perspective, if you were to create or recreate the movie franchise Back to the Future right now, and Marty McFly went back 30 years, he would go back to 1991. Does that make you feel old? It should. Forget the enchantment under the sea dance. He would see the Lions win a playoff game. And that's the only playoff game that they have won since 1957. That seems hard to believe in a league with parity where everybody kind of has runs. The Lions have never had a run. They've never had a walk. They've never gotten out of the chair. They've been bad the whole time. And I don't think it's going to improve all that much this year. So it could be a rough season for them. And I put them number two in the poop rankings. So that leaves one spot. And uh, I don't think that this one is, is much of a surprise. The number one spot, the Houston Texans. Texas won four games last year, won't have their quarterback for one reason or another this year. They trade J.J. Watt. He's gone. No, they didn't trade him. They released him, right? Did they release him? I think they released him. Don't have a draft pick until the third round. In the third round, they take a developmental quarterback who is almost certainly they're going to be back in the market. Next, they're going to have a, the number one pick in the draft next year. You don't think they're going to take a quarterback? They're going to stick with this guy they took in the third round this year? They've not had a first or second round pick the last two years. they got a rookie head coach. And by all accounts, the front office is like Game of Thrones behind the scene. I mean, they are just a complete disaster. Now, Houston's over-under. Now, they won four games last year. 
They added a game to the NFL schedule. Their over-under is four. That's not a good sign. You were that bad, and they think that you're going to be worse. And I think they could, if I had to take either over or under, I would take under. I don't think they're winning four games. The Jaguars are going to be terrible. That's the one good thing. They do have the Jaguars in their division. The Jaguars won one game last year. And if you look at the odds, they're plus 700 to win the AFC South. So you put $100 down. If the Jaguars won, you'd get $700. The Texans are plus 2,700. That's almost four times the odds. I did that math in my head all on my own like a big boy. 2700 You put $100 down to the Texans to win the uh, division, the AFC South. Well, you've just bur- you, you just flush it down the toilet. I mean, you have as many chances. But if you did win, you would get $2,700. You really should get more than that. It should, probably should be higher because they're not going to win the division. They're going to be terrible. They're going to be the worst team in the NFL, and that's why they are number one in the poop rankings. All right, that's going to do it for poop rankings. I know everybody loves it. Everybody's a big fan. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.